Welcome to the Race with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where life with Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from Joel chapter 3. Joel chapter 3. Look, in those days and at that time when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. There I will enter into judgment against them for the sake of my possession, my people Israel, whom they scattered among the nations. The nations also divided up my land. They cast lots for my people and traded boys to pay prostitutes. They sold girls for wine so that they could drink. Tell me, what do you have against me, Tyre and Sidon, on all you regions of Philistia? Are you repaying me for something that I have done? If you are paying me back, I will swiftly and speedily repay unto your own heads what you have done, because you took my silver and my gold, and you carried off my best treasures to your temples. You sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks, in order to send them far from their own borders. See, I am going to rouse them out of the places to which you sold them, and I will make what you have done return on your own heads. I will sell your sons and daughters into the hands of the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabaeans, a nation far away. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Proclaim this among the nations. Consecrate yourselves for war. Rouse the strong warriors. Let all the fighting men draw near and attack. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning knives into spears. Let the weaklings say, I am a strong warrior. Come quickly to help all you nations from every side and assemble there. Bring down your strong warriors, O Lord. Let the nations be roused. Let them advance into the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will be seated to judge all the nations. Swing the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come trample the grapes, for the winepress is full and the vats overflow, because the nation's wickedness is so great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon will be darkened, and the stars will stop shining. The Lord will roar from Zion and shout from Jerusalem. The sky and the earth will tremble, but the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. Then you will know that I, the Lord your God, dwell in Zion, my holy mountain. Jerusalem will be holy. Foreigners will not pass through her again. In that day the mountains will drip sweet wine, and the hills will flow with milk. All the stream beds of Judah will run with water. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house. It will water the valley of Acacias. Egypt will be desolate. Edom will be a desolate wilderness because of violence they committed against the people of Judah, in whose land they shed innocent blood. Judah will be inhabited forever, and Jerusalem through all generations. I will, pl- I will pardon their blood guilt, which I have not pardoned. The Lord dwells in Zion. This is the word of our God. One of the interesting features of the Minor Prophets, and Joel is no exception, is that they talk very bluntly and very um, sometimes even graphically about the crimes that other nations have committed against God's people, as well as um, very bluntly and graphically the different sins that the people have committed against each other and against their God. And Joel chapter 3 is is no exception. Um, the whole first half of the book, Joel chapter 1 until about chapter 2 verse 16, talking about that warning, the warning of the coming army of locusts, which is only a precursor to God's judgment at the end of time. And that warning woke the people up. Uh, verse chapter 2, verse 17 and following, the people basically ask God, what can we do? What can we do? 
And the answer, of course, is repent and the Lord will relent. Repent and the Lord will have mercy. And so today in Joel, in Joel chapter 3, God turns his attention a little bit to the nations that are surrounding his people, the Israelites, and the crimes that they have carried out against God's people. And chapter 3, verse 1, Look, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, see, God already begins with a promise of what he will do for his people. And what we have in this, this valley of decision, the valley of Jehoshaphat, or Jehoshaphat, or however you pronounce it, um, what God is doing here with this valley of Jehoshaphat, the valley of judgment, is he's dividing between the people who are his own, the people whom he has called to be his own, the people who have returned to him, and the people who have not. The pagan nations surrounding the Israelites have certainly harmed God's people, and so God will carry out strict justice against them, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, exactly as he laid out in his in his Old Testament law for God's people. And he also fulfills his promise to Abraham. He promises to fulfill that promise, at least, when he says, whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. God certainly carries out judgment against those who had cursed and harmed his people. And the picture of judgment that we have beginning in verse 9, um, this judgment isn't simply a settling of accounts right now, but this is the judgment at the end of time. It's one of the more vivid pictures of judgment day at the end of time. And so it really begins in chapter 3, verse 9. Proclaim this among the nations. Consecrate yourselves for war. Rouse the strong warriors. Let all the fighting men draw near and attack. Um, the judgment is pictured in three ways. First of all, pictured as a great war, as the world's mighty men are summoned to prepare themselves and appear in battle array against the Lord. Thus, you can see the rebelliousness of the sinful heart, because who in his right mind would be able to stand against God? But the sinful heart in its arrogance says, surely I can, I can. And strangely enough, the expected battle is not pictured at all because it's not going to be a battle. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look like a battle, perhaps, but the battle has been won in Jesus at the cross. And so God will simply execute his judgment against those who oppose him. This is a very similar image to what we have, especially in the book of book of Revelation, with what we call the Battle of Armageddon. Um, Armageddon referring to the pass of Megiddo and the mountain of Megiddo. And that's going to look very similar in the sense that the nations are going to think that they will be able to be victorious against God, and it's not going to be a battle at all. The Lord is going to sit to judge in quiet majesty, and that is the end of the sudden rebellion against him. Um, that was verses 9 through 12 of Joel chapter 3. Let the nations be roused, let them advance into the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will be seated to judge all the nations. God's basically saying, good luck. You can um, bring bring yourselves, bring your armies, and I'm going to have a seat, and we'll have our judgment. And then secondly, uh, the judgment is pictured as a harvest, um, especially here in verse 13, when God says, swing the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come trample the grapes, for the wine press is full, and the vats overflow, because the nation's wicked is so great. That's the very deliberate character of God's judgment being brought out. The judgment isn't some, you know, strange outburst of fury, but a long prepared for, long overdue, and deliberate settling of accounts. 
Finally, beginning in verse 14, we have the final image when God says, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of judgment is here. The judgment is portrayed as the ultimate, the final decision and division between those who are on God's side and those who are not. And the beautiful stress of verses 14 through 21 especially is the positive outcome of the judgment for God's people. Because this is God um, coming, yes, to bring his people home to heaven and also executing revenge exactly as he said that he would, that he would bless his people and he would curse those who curse his people. God has permitted and overcome the the last concentrated assault against him. That was verses 9 through 12, talking about the battle. Um, He has, in long patience, waited for the grain and the weeds to grow up together until the harvest, exactly as the parable of Jesus, that the people of this world run together and uh, carry on business in this world with believer and unbeliever alike next to each other until this final decision. Now, on the day of the Lord, the time for the final separation has come. The noisy multitudes gather together in the valley of decision, and the noise is silenced by the Lord roaring from Zion, the place where his glory dwells. That roaring is going to figure in prominently in the book of Amos. But the image there is, is God being this strong and violent lion who is roaring on behalf of his people, and all who oppose him should quiver with fear. Um, The Lord roaring from Zion is a voice that will shake the universe, as Joel kind of says in verses 15 and 16, the sun and the moon will be darkened, the the stars will stop shining, the Lord will roar from Zion and shout from Jerusalem, the sky and the earth will tremble. But, that beautiful but, um, sometimes I refer to it as the, the divine but, the pause, how things will be different. But the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. And that is that is one of the most beautiful statements in the entire, entire chapter, um, how God is going to bring judgment, how God is going to roar, how the, even the sky and the earth are going to tremble. But the Lord is going to be a powerful lion on behalf of his people, and he will be a refuge for those who, those who take refuge in him. God promises everlasting peace to his people, that he will be a refuge and a stronghold. Their city will be established forever in peace and security. Their land will be a renewed paradise like the Garden of Eden. And above all, there will be this unbroken fellowship with God when he says, You shall know that I am God. Verses 17 and 18. Then you will know that I, the Lord your God, dwell in Zion, my holy mountain. Jerusalem will be holy. Foreigners will not pass through her again. In that day the mountains will drip sweet wine, and the hills will flow with milk. All the stream beds of Judah will run with water. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and water the valley of Acacias. And so the the plague has its effect. The preaching has its result. The people have repented, and God promises restoration, yes, and he promises judgment, yes, but even more than both of those things, God promises unending joy and fellowship with him. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raised with Jesus podcast. Be sure to tune in this Saturday for our Saturday Thirsty episode, as well as part one of our interview with Professor Mark Paustian on the topic of apologetics. Thanks so much for joining us. God bless your day.